Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. Hey everyone, I believe you're here because you love learning from others. One of the last questions I ask people I interview is what resource has been inspiring you lately? Audible.com and Doing Ministry Well have teamed up to bring you a free 30-day trial so that even if you don't have time to sit down and read a book, you can listen to some of the great resources that are shared here. Sign up at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking into another episode of Doing Ministry Well. We are in Clarksville, Tennessee today, and we have the real honor of one of the most amazing people from the great state of Alabama. Are you from Alabama? I totally just blanked out. <laughs> I'm originally from Tennessee, but we live and work in Coleman, Alabama. Okay. Now. All right. It is Alabama. All right. These Southern states. I'm still, I'm still new here. <laughs> anyway, we're here with Brian Ferguson, all AKA cowboy, AKA what's your other AKA there, cowboy? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just cowboy. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Cowboy. Thanks so much for, for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Jim. Yeah. I met you. <clears throat> Um, our, our, our crews kind of run together and, uh, I, first time I met you, you were preaching at a very small Methodist church in Tennessee and, uh, their big claim to fame was that it was founded in the 1800s or something like that. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's where I met you. I got to hear you preach and, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, um, Cowboy, tell me a little bit about how long you've been in ministry and what you've been doing in ministry. And then we can talk a little bit about what you're currently doing in ministry. Okay, great. Well, we, uh, I got saved a little over 20 years ago and, uh, was not going to church and spent a lot of time just praying and reading the Bible and, and just developing that relationship with Jesus and uh, soon after that, got called into ministry, probably in, in human way of thinking and in my way of thinking, probably way too soon, was probably way too immature of a believer. But God does things on God's time. And uh, so I was called to be a, a youth pastor and uh, worked there for eight years at a church in Coleman, Alabama, where we live now. And then uh, around that eight-year mark, uh, we began to feel a real tug. Uh, well, I, sh I should say that we, we had done youth and missions there. And a lot of my relationships that I have in missions were developed there at that church with pastors and missionaries from third world countries and um, uh, began to develop great relationships with some African pastors, some South American pastors, um, and some folks right here in Clarksville, Tennessee. And um, as that, uh, God used those relationships to disciple us and to develop us, our heart began to turn more towards uh, the people that maybe didn't feel comfortable coming to church or didn't have access to a church or churches felt uncomfortable when they showed up at church. <laughs> and uh, so we did something different than we had uh uh, heard of anybody else do. Um, we prayed. It felt like God was saying, stay in Coleman. Uh, we had opportunities to live on the foreign mission field and thought that's where we would be planting churches in the Amazon jungle or, or ministering in the Great Rift Valley. Um, and uh, God just said, stay in Coleman. Hmm. 
And he said, uh, our job was to share his love with people that didn't know he uh, know him or know about his love and not experienced his love. And so we, we live in Coleman, Alabama, my wife and three kids and I, and we got one on the way. And um, we uh, uh, minister there, but also we do discipleship and things like that. But also uh, we minister around the world where God gives us opportunities uh, to, to do that. Cool. What are, let's talk about around the world, where are you kind of plugged in? What are some of the places uh, that you're plugged in and, and kind of what are you doing in those locations? Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I was a, a working cow hand uh, most of my adult life before meeting Jesus. And uh, it's it's been real fun how he has used things that I was involved in before. And when you're a cowboy, you're kind of a jack of all trades, maybe not a master of any. And um, so uh, disaster relief is one of the areas that God uses to introduce us to new areas. So uh, about five years ago, uh, when the earthquake hit Haiti, uh, we had opportunity to go in there and do clean water, things like that. And that opened the door to share the gospel and then make disciples. So one of the main places that we're active in right now is, is in the, uh, really all throughout Haiti, uh, but a heavy emphasis right now over the last two years in Port-au-Prince. Hmm. Awesome. And um, you also just said here in, in Coleman, you're doing some, some ministry as well, some discipleship training. Tell us a little bit about what, what's going on there. Yeah, again, I think God used disaster relief to help us with that. Um, uh, a, a EF4 tornado came through our community uh, in 2010, I believe it was, and it was on the ground for 36 miles. And um, we were in that path. Uh, we had 20 people in our basement, and all the houses around us were damaged, but not the house where all the people were. Wow. And um, we were able to minister during that time. We had uh, one young man get saved uh, in our basement that day. And um, as soon as the tornado left, we began to organize search teams and uh, picked up chainsaws and started cutting paths for um, EMS vehicles to come in and out and, and that sort of thing. And we ended up getting an opportunity to lead teams for almost every church in the community. Uh, two days after, three days after the tornado came through, we had over 200 people standing in our front yard ready to volunteer and help. And we had a worship service and then went out. And for the next four months, um, we, uh, oh, I'm sorry, for the next year and a half, we did disaster relief there locally uh, and rebuilding, uh, uh, that sort of thing. That led to relationships with people coming to us and saying that they wanted more. They wanted to know more of how we do things or why we do things. They wanted to know God better. Uh, and that has opened the door for us to do uh, regular discipleship classes where we, we they range in, in duration from 12 weeks to six months. Uh, sometimes they have a, a local outreach focus at the end of that uh, um, time frame of training and and other times we take them overseas with us those classes are divided up into three trimesters the first trimester is who is god we just focus on who who god is 
knowing him. Uh, John 17, 3, Jesus says to, uh, when he's praying to the Father that this is eternal life, that, that they, that we uh, know God, the one true God, the Father, and the Christ whom he sent. And so we focus heavily on that. Everything else hinges off of who he is. That determines what we study in the second trimester, which is who we are, what is our identity as Christians in Christ. And then thirdly, uh, how do we relate to others, uh, both those who are also in Christ, our brothers and sisters, and also the lost. Um, and, and so that's kind of uh, one of the big things that we do. We do a lot of other things like agriculture. We do a community garden and we're working on aquaponics and different things like that, trying to build a training center right now in Coleman, Alabama. Um, but the, the main thrust of everything we do is discipleship. That's awesome. So in all of your time of ministry, Cowboy, what would you say has been the highlight? Hmm. You know, I, I don't know that I could single out. Um, it, it's the African pastors don't think about things the way that we do. They they don't see that they have a secular life or a family life, a family home, and then they have ministry separate from that. All of that's in one. And, and I guess I kind of think like that. Uh, I can remember when my oldest daughter was maybe two, um, we have a picture of her helping us stuff envelopes, you know, uh, that we're sending out reports to people that, that uh, help us and, and volunteer with us and support us. And, and my kids have just kind of grown up in ministry and um, they, that none of that is required by, by us, their parents, but they just kind of see that as this is who we are, this is what we do. So to single out any one part of ministry as the highlight, uh, you know, it seems like the day that I got saved, From that day until today, it has been amazing. The to to know God, to be invited by Him into that real relationship with Him, to get to know him on an intimate personal level is far greater than than anything else that I that I've ever experienced or could imagine it and so I guess I would have to say the greatest thing um, that I've experienced in ministry is is just him ministering to me just getting to know him and, and learning that he loves me unconditionally and and that uh, that I can know him. That's awesome. Uh, you got saved in your adult life then? I did. I was probably 28. Okay. Uh, was not a, uh, not a model citizen by any means and uh, was alone in a farmhouse. Um, and uh, the long story short... Uh, uh, I just, I just told him that I quit, that I give up. I'd made a mess of my life, and 
that if he would save me, that I would uh, do what he wanted me to do, that I'd go where he wanted me to go, and I would try to be who he wanted me to be. And I had no idea that I would not keep any of those promises, <laughs> but that he is so faithful. Amen. And he keeps all of his. That's awesome. Um, on the flip side of that, what would you say has been your biggest struggle in ministry, and uh, how have you overcome that? Wow. You know, what comes to mind, I'm not trying to be religious with this answer. I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to, I mean, because there are struggles. We all have those. But when I'm focused on who he is and the relationship that he has offered me, I, what pops to my mind is Paul when he says he doesn't consider these present sufferings to be worthy to be compared with the future glory and um, you know I'm dyslexic and I'm ADD and I you know I, I'm uh, I, I'm not what you would picture uh, I, I look more like a, uh, a middle-aged guy who was a linebacker at some point in his past than a minister and I don't have nice hair and I, I don't have great speech and, and, and all of that. Um, so I think there are some shortcomings in my mind that I've had, but, but those things have, have made me depend on him. And at times we feel overwhelmed and, uh, scripture says that we feel that so that we won't trust in ourselves, but that we will, uh, we will trust in him. That's awesome. Um, one of your big, uh, teachings that you you kind of really carry an authority in and, and that we invite you out here to, to Clarksville to teach on. It's just kind of the father heart of God and then sonship. Can you talk about those two topics a little bit? How much time do we have? As much time as you've got. Uh, you know, the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel that we were sheep without a shepherd, that we were orphaned by sin, that, that there is a loving God in heaven that reveals himself to us as a father, as the lover of our souls. You know, I, I think about things here on earth, but they, they all fall so short I think about um, hearing my first child's heartbeat on the sonogram and how I, I had worked in the medical field and in the in veterinary clinics also, both human and vet medicine. And, and I'd heard so many heartbeats of animals and children and people. And uh, I didn't think it would be a big deal. But the day I heard life that came from my life, uncontrollable worship happened. And as a father, when, when I realized that I am, that I am flawed, that I, that I'm not perfect, but that he is a perfect father. When, when my love sometimes comes with conditions, but he is an unconditional lover of our souls that, that, the life that he has placed in us, the life of Christ in us, as, as he adopts us and gives us his Holy Spirit 
to live in us. That is the life that is in us, that knowing him, that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to know him. Um, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ to, to know him as a father and to know that his love for us is so much greater than anything that we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And to think that, that he is pleased with my life, but not, not on my own merits, but, but based on what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And that, that he is not angry at me, but, but that he looks at me as I look at my kids, but he does it even better than me. And that the life in me, the resurrected new birth that, that is in me, brings him great joy like my earthly children give me. And that, again, the back to the relationship, that he will take a walk with me as a father in the cool of the day. Um, that, that whether somebody's trying to kill me or, or whether I'm totally at peace and, and resting at home, that he's with me, whether, whether I do the wrong thing or make a good choice, that he loves me still the same because the basis for our relationship is not in my works, but in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That, that he calls me his son and that he gives me the, the right and the privilege of calling him daddy and all that that father-son relationship entails. Uh, whether we have a good relationship with a good human father or not, we all know what a good daddy is supposed to be. And, um, and he surpasses that. So I could say a lot more, but that, that's kind of the nutshell for today. Awesome, awesome. All right, we'll be right back, and uh, Cowboy's going to give us three practical tips to doing ministry well. Hi, this is Brian Ensminger. If you enjoy doing ministry well, we'd really appreciate it if you'd check out the Engaging Missions show, where we deliver God's stories to your earbuds. You can find us at engagingmissions.com. If you haven't checked out the new doingministrywell.com website, check it out. We chose Swissco to do our overhaul and are so happy with the results. Swissco makes ministry websites beautiful and hassle-free. Schedule a free consultation today at swissco.us. All right, and we're back. Cowboy, would you please share with us three practical tips to doing ministry well? Three practical tips. Um, I would say, number one, I don't think that I could do ministry if I didn't know God. And I don't mean that as in, do you know God? Do you need to be saved? I mean, um, for example discipleship is a lot like being a dad. Um, when you're trying to disciple someone, you're, you're not focused on your needs. You're focused on the needs of the person in front of you. And I think we learn that from our heavenly father. Um, when, when we're not, when we know that we're his child and that he loves us unconditionally, that frees us up that, that we don't have to, um, get attention. Um, we're, we're able to serve. I, I think the reason Jesus served was because he was so secure 
in his relationship with his father. So, so I, I know I'm talking around the world here to get to the point, but I think the main point is, is that if I want to be a good dad or a good disciple maker, I've got a perfect example. However, God, the father fathers and disciples disciplines me. And I, I don't like using that word discipline because it seems to take on a negative connotation a lot of times. But, but when I say discipline, I, I'm really talking about discipleship and, and just getting to know God the Father, uh, getting to know Jesus the Son, and getting to know the Holy Spirit. And it's out of who he is, that uh, who God is, that determines my identity. And, and so as I get to know, for example, that God is true, um, that he can't tell a lie, and that he says he loves me unconditionally, well, that, that changes everything. So my number one would be knowing God and, and just receiving how he uh, interacts with us. Number two would be to um, receive who he says we are to know who you are. When, when Jesus stripped down, girded himself with a towel and went to wash the disciples' feet, he did not do that out of a servant uh, position. Uh, his position is, is king of kings, lord of lords. He's, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He's, he's everything. But, but that passage, if you're paraphrasing it, is that Jesus knowing where he came from and to where he would return and that the father had given all things into his hands. He stripped down, knelt down, girded himself with a towel and washed the disciples' feet. It was out of his identity that he received from the father that he was able to serve in that capacity. And if we're going to do ministry well, we need to know who our daddy is, number one. Number two, we need to know who daddy says we are. And then we will have the freedom um, to stand during times of adversity or, or persecution or just when it's just not fun. Um, and then uh, I guess number three would be to take what uh, the Father, how the Father has, has ministered to us. Jesus said, I only do the things I see my Father doing. I only say the things I hear him saying. And and uh, the Holy Spirit is sent to us to remind us of what Jesus has said. And we're to be his witnesses. So the way I, I see that is if, number one, I learn who the Father is and how he relates to me. And number two, I, I realize and believe that I am who he says I am, regardless of how I feel. Uh, then the third thing would be that I'm able then to go and just treat other people like he's treated me. And not because I have to, not because the Bible says I have to love my neighbor, but because I've been infected with the love of the Father through a relationship with the Son and, and being filled with his Holy Spirit, that, uh, that it's at that time that, that when people are throwing rocks, whether it's uh, literal or, or figuratively, um, you can look back at them and, and you can show them that same kind of love because you have the love of the Father in abundance 
um, you have, you're drowning in the grace and love of Jesus. And it's just natural to share that with, with other people. Those are good. Those are good. Let's expound on them a little bit. Um, number one, knowing God. Um, how do you go about doing that personally? This is the, this is the, uh, uh, this is the million dollar. Uh, I, I normally make you send in tons of money for me <laughs> to be able to, to, to give you this kind of information. This is something that no one has ever thought of before. And it is uh, only for your viewers will I, or your listeners will I, will I share this. Uh, it's very complicated, so they need to listen closely. Um, I ask. I just say, Father, show me who you are. I just want to know you. Mm-hmm. And and what I find when I do that, Jim, is that, I, like right now, I, I'm about, I just like to just worship right now. Because there's not a dad, there's not a good daddy in the world that if their kid came to them and said, Daddy, tell me who you are. I want to know you. There's nobody that has a heart that could say no to that. When my little girls come and sit in my lap, even when my son, who's 17 and my size, when when he asks me a question about me or about our relationship, I mean, I melt. You know, that's that's the best day. Uh, When when my wife wants to talk about us, our relationship, that's the best day. And and when you just get to spend time with them, so I, I I find that the father answers that prayer quicker than any other prayer I've ever prayed. The day that I finally uh, got wise enough or just stumbled upon asking him, Father, show me who you are, everything changed that day. So I just encourage everybody to ask. Say, Father, show me who you are. That's awesome. And then the second thing, receiving who he says we are. Um, what is What does that process look like? You know that these have to come in order. Um, I think it's. I think step two is harder than step one because my whole life people have said things about me. You know they they've said, well, Cowboy's dyslexic. He's you know I, I didn't learn to read well until I was probably twenty five or twenty six, and and uh, I was not a good student, and I, I was. Uh, partially because uh, of my learning disabilities, but most of it was a, I just wasn't a good student. I wasn't interested. And, um, and so we have all these tags that the world has hung on us, and, uh, and it's hard not to, not to receive those and believe those. And um, when, uh, when you've had life happen to you, and I don't mean real life. I mean, life here on earth. I, I was molested as a child that, you know, we all have these things that, uh, my, my dad left when I was 15. We all have these things that, that, um, hang monikers on us. And, and then we know what our secret thoughts are, what our, what we, we know our sinfulness. And, and so I think it takes a father to speak identity. And I think the Father is the only one that really should get to speak our identity to us. So again, I think you have to ask. It sounds selfish, 
but I was in Mexico on a mission trip very early on in my Christian walk. And uh, I said, God, show me how you love me. And that sounds so selfish and self-centered, but my real desire, what I think I was really saying there is, Father, show me who you are and that I'll get my identity from who you are. So, so I think asking him that, and I, I think some helpful tips would be, for example, to read the book of Ephesians, especially the first three chapters. Um, matter of fact, any of the letters in the New Testament, uh, especially Paul's letters, if you just read the first part of those books and just read what he says is the gospel, what he says about us and what he says about God. And then when it gets to doing something, just stop and, and don't read any further. The way those letters are, are written, most of them, is he shares the gospel in the beginning of those letters. And then in the end of those letters, he starts saying, what does that look like in the world? Uh, I think too often we focus too much on doing and not enough on being. You can't do being a child. You have to be a child. And, and so I think when we get a good, accurate picture of who God the Father is, then we start asking him to show us who we are. And we believe him because we know he's true. Uh, then I, I think, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that would be my advice there. And also, if you if you know a good dad, um, ask him to talk to you as a dad. Um, I, I think that I think that helps, and that that needs to be a a loving, nurturing. Um, dad, that doesn't need to be a legalistic dad. It doesn't need to be an overbearing dad. Um, when I when I look at uh, the the definition of the new covenant prophet and how he's described as a paraclete, one who comes alongside, um, that's the kind of dad I'm talking about. Somebody that'll walk with you in the cool of the day and give you words of wisdom and encourage you and love on you and um, yeah, I, I think, I think we all need those people in our lives. I'm, I'm not talking about somebody that lets you get away with whatever, but just somebody that says, yeah, that was a boneheaded mistake, but I love you. You have value. You have worth. Um, you're, you're not going to do that again. That's good. That's good. So this last one, you just said, treat others like he's treated you. Um, do you have a story that comes to mind of you really, really implementing that? And, and what was that story? Oh, uh, man, this, this is, this is the, I'm convinced this is the secret to every relational problem. And, um, and I don't know that I do this that well, but I, I try it's, it's in my heart. And, and what's fun is when you get an accurate picture of who God is and who he says you are, then you're no longer looking for position, promotion, provision. You know, you're you're not looking to be first. You're content with who he says you are. And and so that helps in these relationships. Um, <laughs> the reason I laugh is, is because uh, the first time I saw this working in my life was with my wife. 
and I've got the best wife in the world. I, I, I can't imagine life without her. And, and literally, there have just not been many days since I've met her that, that it was not a pleasure being around her. Um, but there was one, one week in all the years that we've known each other where I, I don't even remember what it was, but for some reason I felt like she wasn't treating me as well as I needed to be treated. And so I, I went to my father, the heavenly father, and I said, God, can you believe how she's treating me? This is not right. What are you going to do about this? And, and he asked me a, a question. He said, uh, he said, Cowboy, what part of your behavior had anything to do with my saving you, with my relationship with you? And I said, none. You know, it, it's, it's, your, it's what Jesus did. And uh, you've, you've loved me unconditionally. And, and he said, and what part of your wife's behavior has anything to do with the covenant that you and I made with her on your wedding day, that you were going to love her as I've loved you. And I said, crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, none. And he said, now go love your wife as I've loved you. And that has been life giving. When I think about the abundance of love and grace and mercy that he has given to me, I become overwhelmed. I become flooded with his love. I'm drowning in the Father's love. And and I've, I need to get rid of some of that love. I need to share that love. And my wife is very easy to share that love with. Um, but so I, I began that day to, to share that love uh, to the best of my ability. And I, I'm still a knucklehead. I, I don't get it right all the time. And and that's again. That's why God's grace is so good. And and I. But I purposed to try to to love my wife, not not perfectly. Um, not it's not a labor. It's not a oh I got to do this because I got to love her. The Bible says I got to love my wife. It's it's oh I, I have this to give because my father has given it to me. This is how he's shown me. He reacts in these relationships, and and in particularly Jesus, you know, Jesus is the the bridegroom of the of the church, and and so if I want to be a good husband, I need to look at how Jesus loves the church, and when I when I focus on Him, what I find is we become like what we worship, and and I'm not there yet, but but I, I am moving that direction, and so. Uh, I purpose that day to to try to love my wife as Christ loves me. And um, within about three months of doing that, um, like I said, we had already had a great relationship. But I saw everything change in our relationship at about the three-month mark. And even today, you know, in all things relational, we we ebb and we flow. But the more I try to show her that love, the more I just try to share with her what he shared with me, um, the more secure she feels. And she's not an insecure person by any means, but but you just see that that security and that peace and that love. And and as I love her, then she in turn shows respect to me. Mm-hmm. 
and we each get what we need out of the relationship. Uh, the man always feels like he needs the respect of the woman, and the woman feels like she needs the love of the man, the the unconditional love and devotion. And and uh, when I've got all of that right, when I've got my view of the father, his view of myself as my view, and excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, and then I am loving others as he has shown me love, um, then I, my relationships are just excellent. Uh, they're not perfect, but, but they're so good. That's awesome. Last question is, what's been inspiring you lately? Is there any books or resources or ideas that have really been bringing inspiration to your life? <laughs> I, I do not mean to sound like, you know, religious or, but I cannot get past the Father's love for us. Oh. I just, I just really can't. And, and so, um, I, I catch myself finding glimpses of the gospel in, in everything. Um, I, I was at a, a church service uh, last night and they were talking about Jonah and, just the picture of they read a, a passage of scripture and it's in the end of Jonah and it says the the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and we know that Jonah rebelled after the first time and just how good is our father that even if we say I'm going to Tarshish I'm going to ruin which is what Tarshish, I think, means. I, I'm going to go ruin my life uh, rather than do what the Father wants me to do. And he's, he's so, he, yes, he does redirect us and gets us right back to the path where, where we need to be. And, and yes, if we uh, insist on going the wrong way, he may use a fish to, to get us there. But the amazing thing is, is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Wow, that's awesome. Cowboy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Would you just close us out by praying for our listeners? You bet, you bet. And thank you so much. It's been a real blessing. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us. How crazy is that? Father, I'm asking you right now to speak to everybody listening to this podcast. Father, please reveal yourself to them as a loving, adoring, good father. Just, just show them who you are, Father. Jesus, show them who you are. Holy Spirit, show them who you are. Jesus, help people to see you, to know you. You're the one that introduces us to the Father. You're the one that sent your Holy Spirit. Lord, for those that are in the trenches doing ministry well, I ask that you would encourage them, that you would lift them up. Lord, that they would know that you have promised that they will never be alone, that they won't be forsaken. Father, take them by the hand, hold them up, 
Wrap your arms around them. Help them to know you. Let them sit in your lap today. Let them be refreshed and encouraged. Father, heal their hurts. Heal their wounds. Inspire them to go on. Father, you're just such a good daddy. And we need you. Give us what we need to do the work that you've called us to. And Father, give them rest. Give them peace. You've already won, Jesus. Help us to occupy. Help us to multiply. But help us to, to fight from a resting position. Resting in you. Resting in who you are. Resting in who you say we are. Just doing what you've taught us to do. Father, we just praise you and we thank you. I speak peace. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cowboy, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, brother. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions on who we should interview next, contact us at doingministrywell.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at jimjessbaker.com. That's jimjess as in Jessica, baker.com.